We are back at it on the Dr. Payne Show, and uh, Dr. Lou is on board, ready to answer all of your questions. You know the number, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And by the way, one talk That is toll-free, where we take your uh, concerns about pain and specific health concerns. We get phone calls every week talking about uh, a variety of things, but I know, uh, Dr. Lou, you like to uh, begin each show with uh, some stories, some things that have been happening in your your clinics in and around town. So what's uh, what's going on, pal? Yes, sir. Don't don't tell people I can answer everything. There's a limit no, to what I can no, answer. Some yes, things. for sure. Some things related to healthcare. There's a lot of things that I don't know anything about. <laughs> yeah, metaphysics and yeah, yeah. things about space. Yeah. No, no, yeah, no, 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 not good on the astrophysics. A little bit, but not, but not an expert. That's for sure. Um, yeah, no, great week uh, as usual. I mean, one of the things that I really wanted to speak about this week. Um, I had a patient, and I'll use I'll use the patient interaction to kind of highlight the bigger topic mm-hmm. here. I had a patient this week that came in, lovely uh, older woman. She was sixty-three or sixty-four. Um, knee pain, as you know, we've been doing. We've been uh, seeing a lot of uh, of knee issues with our knee clinic initiative and the PRP injections. Um, but this person came in to see me. She actually was not referred. She didn't come through the radio. She came through another patient that had seen me um, and was referred to me and knew that you know we specialized in knees, um, which we we deal with everybody body part. But again, we've been uh, pushing this initiative with the knee clinic to the, just expedite everything for people with knee injuries. So she came in to see me, 63 years old, has bilateral, which means both both knees are hurting. Um, it's it's a long-standing issue. It's been going on for a very long time. Uh, she's um, she's she's an immigrant, so she her English is not the best. And, and I'm only bringing that up again because it's going to highlight the next point that I that I want to bring up. So she comes in, she's asking me about her knee pain, what's going on. So we go through a thorough history, physical exam. Uh, I get all the details I need. I decide to send her for an X-ray. Um, I send her for that X-ray. She comes back in the room and. Before, she had told me that she had already been to see a surgeon. Um, Surgeon had done the x-rays. She didn't have access to those x-rays. I'd never seen them. Was simply told she would probably need a knee replacement. Wasn't even sure which knee would need the knee replacement. And that the other one was, quote unquote, going to be very tricky to help. And I said, when she was telling me that, I said, well, well, what does that mean? And she said, I, I'm not sure. Like, you know, they they never went as far as to tell me what that meant, which knee. I said, well, did you ask? She said, you know, a part of me is like, I feel very intimidated. And, I, and sometimes I don't ask when it's related to my health. Uh, she's like, but, you know, you're making me feel comfortable and I really want to know. And I said, well, one of the biggest things that I do is I'm going to explain everything to you. I'm going to show you what's going on, see, so that you can see and you can understand. So yeah. we take her x-ray. She comes back. I show her the x-ray. Her right knee is bone on bone, absolutely as bad osteoarthritis as you can imagine. And I said, well, that that must be the knee that they want to do the knee replacement to, because that's at that point when it's that severe, it's bone on bone. That's really the best option. I said, so so clearly that's the knee that you need to do the knee replacement on. I said, do you have a follow-up appointment with that surgeon for, for our knee replacement? And right. she said, yes, I'm supposed to see him again in November to discuss the next steps. I said, well, okay, my opinion based on what I'm seeing on that x-ray is that you should go ahead and do that. And I showed her what I meant. Every time I show somebody an x-ray, I mean, I went through four years of radiology training to understand these things. So the average person doesn't know x-rays. But one of the biggest things when you learn imaging, before you learn pathology or the things that are wrong, you have to understand what normal looks like. So I always show people what textbook normal would look like in a knee or whatever body part. But in this case, we're dealing with the knee. I showed her what a textbook normal knee cool. looks like so that I can show her here are all the spaces that should be there. Here are how the bone 
bone should line up. Here's what the bone density should look like, blah, 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 blah. And sure enough, she understood it. And then I put her image right next to it. I said, now you're not a radiologist, but does that look the same? She said, no, that looks very bad. And I said, well, see, it's really not that hard. Once you know normal, you can see when things are very bad. And she said it herself. And she said, that looks very bad. I said, fine, now let's look at your other knee. I said, does it look as bad? She said, it doesn't look as bad, but it doesn't look as good either. I said, exactly. So you have moderate osteoarthritis in this knee. And so now the question becomes, do you do both knee replacements at the same time? Or do you do the one that you really have to do and try to delay this? And and again, my I'm always a proponent for least invasive measures first before you move to the most invasive measures. And obviously surgery, especially a replacement of a joint, is the most invasive. So that's where I, I educated her on what the PRP injections could do. And sure enough, you know, we, we have her set up. She's going to see her surgeon again for follow-up for the re- replacement of the right knee. And she's going to see one of our other surgeons for the PRP injection. And great. But one of the things that she said at the end was, you know, no one's ever taken the time to explain this. And it was just, and the only reason, I've heard it a million times now in the thousands of people that I've seen since I've been doing the show, most people will end up telling me, wow, I've never had this explained the way you're explaining it. And, and that's really, I think, what I'm doing that's different from everybody is I'm spending the time to sit with people and and sometimes people will bring in their loved ones so that they can be sure that they're understanding it. I have no problem. You could have your whole family in the room and I will go through everything. And And it's just so important because again, when you look at I do that not I do it for two reasons. Number one, I'd like to explain everything. But number two, when we look at um, efficacy for any type of intervention. So that means when we do research on when something works, why it works, et cetera, mm-hmm. what we consistently find is that patient education is always there. So you can almost replace, like you could take a knee and say, okay, does acupuncture work with education? And the answer starts to become yes. Does surgery with education work? And the answer becomes, and that education component seems to be the common denominator that, that improves efficacy for people because it's so important that when someone understands the extent of their problem plus the extent of what's being proposed for um, the uh, the intended procedure that maybe someone is suggesting, they can make an informed decision and they can feel comfortable with that. One of the biggest hindrances is that people don't fully understand what they're about to do. And a lot of people right. that, and that doesn't just mean with surgery, there's a lot of people going to physiotherapy offices that don't necessarily understand what's being done. And even if I recommend someone just for massage therapy, I don't just say here, go get massage therapy. I recommend why, uh, why I want them to have massage therapy. What is the intended effect that that I want that massage therapist to do with that therapy. And I educate them on that. And I do it in a way that everybody can understand. I'm not sitting here using all the biggest terms when I'm speaking with a patient. I do use a combination of, you know, medical terms with everyday terms. I like to use analogies so that people understand exactly what I'm talking about. And I never let a patient leave the room until I say, Are, do you understand everything? Right. And, and I tell them, you're not going to offend me if you say no. I'll start right from the beginning. My most important objective is I want you to understand everything. If you don't understand everything, then we have a problem. Because again, going back to the research, it's the education that's most important, which again is, is one of the big reasons why I do this radio show, why I have this platform, so that we can start to educate people on their injuries. And again, we're using the knee as an example, but 
I do that for any part of the body that I'm assessing that's related to pain or injury, whether it's your low back, your neck, your shoulders, your ankle, whatever. It, it's consistent throughout. Education needs to be part of the treatment plan. It needs to be step one of every treatment plan. I don't care if the treatment plan is education plus acupuncture, education plus injection, education plus surgery. Education needs to be first because the person needs to fully understand what is happening and needs to uh, consent as well. You you really can't consent to something if you don't understand full well the extent of it. Off to a, a flying start. We'll talk more about that topic and others. We have plenty of time just getting rolling here for you to call in. You have questions about your health. Uh, they're calling for yourself, a friend, or family member. No problem. 416-870-6400, star 640 and cell. And you also have one 225 talk That number is toll-free. Lots more of the Dr. Payne Show is on the way right here. And when the show is not on any time, you want to get a hold of Dr. Lou, one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. And email is info at pain carecanada.com and of course phone lines are open here for the remainder of this hour for you to call in there's also one 225 talk that number's toll free you want to call in with a question about your health we'd love to talk to you and dr lou would answer it. you know in that last uh, first segment rather uh, dr lou you know you mentioned about information explaining things in detail and if you have pictures to go with it like your uh, your one patient there it's even better and mm-hmm. this is such a common thing in uh, i mean we've all experienced it where it's like yeah you've got this go this this is what the treatment is and people walk away going i don't know Meanwhile, they have a problem with their brakes and their car and their mechanic will give them a 10-minute dissertation on why they need new brakes, but your own health. You yeah. don't get the same thing. Yeah, and and you know it's a combination of two things. Like I often hear that that patients feel like they're rushed by whoever the professional right. is. So I do think like again, and that that becomes a discussion around our healthcare system and the backlog that exists in it because it's a public system, et cetera. We've I've gone off on tangents on, on that before. We're not going to discuss that. But so there's twofold. There's that that end where. Um, you know, people often feel rushed and maybe the practitioner is actually rushing. So they don't they don't get the extent of the care that they want. And the other thing is sometimes similar to what that other patient said to me was some people are just afraid to ask for some t- for some reason. And I actually find it's more the older generation. I think the newer generation, the younger generation is different in the sense that we we are more open to dialogue when you're dealing with anybody, even a healthcare professional. And you'll ask why risk and benefit et cetera, et cetera, versus, you know, I've seen a lot of my older patients, they come from a time where when you went to a doctor, whatever the doctor said went and that was it. You didn't question it. You just simply did it. And so they still may feel like they're stuck in that. But the reality is that that is that is the healthcare professional's job, whether it's a doctor, physiotherapist, massage therapist, chiropractor, whomever, is that if you have questions, they need to be answered. Now, right. there's also the extent where some people just ask way too many, right? And they'll, and they just don't stop or they don't, uh, you know, they want to keep going on and on. And that, and I find those people, it's related more to their anxieties. Those are often people yes who have health anxiety and just need to be consistently reassured and reassured and reassured. And they've been told the same thing, you know, over and over again. And sometimes the healthcare professional will get mad and say, I've already, and I've had patients that, you know, will ask the same things, but I don't get mad. What I simply say is all I'm doing, if I answer this again, is feeding your obsessive compulsive behavior around your health anxiety. You have my answer. You know what my answer is. You want to hear it again, because that's how the obsessive compulsive loop works, um, is that you obsess, you compulse, 
you do something, you obsess, you compulse, etc. And so I try not to answer it over and over again, the same question or a variation of the same question, because all you're doing is feeding that person's anxieties. And that creates and that suggests to me there's a bigger underlying problem there. You have anxiety, you have to deal with those things. Um, and so that's a very, very important part with, with care. But that's what I see. I see it's a combination of a lot of different different things. Again, it may be the professional who's rushing, the patient who doesn't feel like they could ask because they're timid yeah. or they're just used to that or think that that's not their role as patient. But, you know, there's there's no set rules out there that say doctor equals this role and patient equals this role. You are allowed to ask questions, especially if it affects your health and you want to make an informed decision. You shouldn't make those decisions on your own without consulting someone. And I also do encourage people to find the balance of you know, I, I often will say, don't don't just turn to Dr. Google, but you should do your homework on different things, right? Now, again, if you have that anxiety component, you'll obsess and you'll compulse and you use Google to do those things. But again, there's a fine balance. Dr. Google is not always bad. It is good when you want to understand something. Maybe you're a visual person. And if a doctor is explaining to you a surgery um, with words, it might be better if you watch a video on YouTube, for example, and they and they go through a cartoon exactly of what happens. And so you different people learn in different ways. And the doctor is not always teaching in the right way to the patient. So right. some people are, uh, you know, visual learners, other are audio learners. Uh, some people, it, whatever, it might be a combination of things. So I do think that, um, you know, a bit of Dr. Google is sometimes good. A good bit, yeah. We've we've talked about that yes. before. Yeah, we, uh, we, I don't know what the balance is. I don't know what the right <laughs> yeah. question is. But I mean, if you're Googling yeah. the same... The, and again, remember, when you type in things into Google, oftentimes Google works in a way where the things that are most interesting are going to have the biggest hit, so it's higher up, which means... Right. You know, bad things are more interesting than than boring things. So sure. if you type in, you know, whatever, like stomach pain, well, you know, most oftentimes it's probably just a simple boring bug or something like that. But what's mm -hmm. really cool is like some crazy stomach cancer, right? So yeah, you have right. to be careful that that it's just based on on the way those algorithms work and what people look at more, et cetera. So oftentimes Dr. Google jumps to the worst uh, of anything. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale as well, one 225 talk You want to call in, ask a question, please do. We'd love to uh, talk to you this morning. Uh, Rana, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Very well. Uh, I have a question for doctor. Sure. I have tennis elbow and golfer elbow, tennis elbow for over a year. It was getting a little better, and now I have very excruciating pain on the other side of the elbow. Of the uh, same elbow, just on the other on the other side. Same elbow. Yep. Yes. Yes. And the other side has start. Other arm has also started, but this arm's really painful all the time. Okay. So a couple questions for you. Number one, how do you know you have tennis elbow and golfer's elbow? Got some tests done, and uh, again going for other tests. Mm -hmm. I had cortisone injections. Okay. So it's been uh, diagnosed by a professional. This isn't something that right. you've just looked up. Okay. And you, you've already mentioned you've done some injections. Have you done therapy, things like that? Yes. Okay. I've been going for physio for over a year. Okay. My next question. So oftentimes things like golfer's elbow and tennis elbow, are, are it's a repetitive strain sprain. It's a repetitive injury, which is why we term it golfer's elbow or tennis elbow, because both of those two activities are repetitive. Um, my right. next question becomes, what is it in your life? Because just because it's called tennis elbow, it doesn't mean it's only a result of tennis or golfers only a result of golfers elbow. All it really is is just 
uh, epicondylitis or epicondalgia, which just means pain of those of that area of the arm. My next question is, what is it in your life that's the repetitive strain? It's my job. Well, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, it's my work is like uh, I work in the kitchen. Right. So there's a lot of elbow movement, mostly yes. using arms. Yes. Yeah. So, so this is often what I will, So, th- and, and this is how I kind of look at this type of situation, because again, if you have an activity, if you have a repetitive strain, sprain injury, such as tennis elbow or golfer's elbow, if you don't eliminate the repetitive strain sprain, then it doesn't really matter injections, therapy, whatever it is that you do, because it's kind of like if you had a really bad scab on your arm and you know, therapy and everything is just your natural way of that scab healing. And then all of a sudden you scratch it off every time. It's never really going to heal. So if you have an injury to an area that never can rest or continues to do that same repetitive uh, strain or sprain, well, then that area is not going to, is never really going to heal. Now, that doesn't mean I'm saying don't do your job or go quit your job. What it does mean is you may need to find a modification to that, okay? And modification is the most important thing because people still have to work. And this is big when we consider workplace injuries because we can't just say everybody that has a repetitive type of work environment should stop that work. No, what it does mean is there might be a way to find modifications that can diminish that amount of repetitive strain sprain and maybe even eliminate it. So that could be in the form of you maybe do, and I don't know exactly what it is for you, because I would need to assess your type of job. That's what a a functional demands analysis is followed by a functional capacity evaluation. We look at what the job requires and what the, the capacity of the individual is. And so the question really becomes, is there something that you could be doing in your job, whether it's you doing it differently, maybe a certain device that makes your job easier, or maybe building in more breaks? There's a lot of different options when we look at that. But what I can tell you is if you have this type of injury, you can get all the injections in the world, you can get all the testing in the world, you can do all the therapy in the world. If somehow you don't modify the repetitive nature of whatever is aggravating that issue, then it's it's just a futile attempt. Wow. Okay. Okay. Come, come see me because th- this is the perfect example of, of, you know, professionals only work in a one-dimensional world sometimes. And they're just looking at, oh, you've got golfer's elbow. You know, here's some therapy. Here's an injection. But again, it's the scab analogy. If you keep ripping off the scab, it doesn't matter what, what you're doing. You could put laser on top of it to heal. You could do this. You could do that. If every time it gets close to healing, you rip it up again, it's never really going to heal fully. And so, you know, this is also part of what I do is, is, is look at what your job is, what your job requires, and is there a way for you to modify it? And, and in my experience, there's always a way to modify it. Rana, please follow up that number, one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, or you can e- uh, email Dr. Lou, info at paincarecanada.com. That is how it works. Lots more time and lots more open lines for you. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, and one 225 talk That number is toll-free. Dr. Payne Show continues on Global News Radio. Your other option is one uh, 225 talk That number is toll-free for the remainder of the hour. You want to call in like Rana did and get your questions. Uh, Questions answered. Yeah, she was talking about both golfers and tennis elbow. Both those are painful and bothersome. 
right? Yep. No, absolutely. Both both very bothersome. It was oh. funny. I was thinking off air the the repetitive nature and, and the modification, and I often think the repetitive strain in my life is you, John. And so it's nice that today I modified it by having you off site, so I don't actually have you in studio. I don't have to. I only have to hear you and not see you. See, so I am the pain in Doctor Pain. Perfect example of modification <laughs> of the work environment to remove That's the repetitive right. strain sprain. There we go. That I just it's perfect. <laughs> well, I'll be back. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, uh, yeah, you're the. You, I guess you're the pain in Doctor Pain. That's it. What else you got going on, man? Um, we had another patient, older gentleman as well, knee issue, um, or what he thought was a knee issue, anyways. And I'm bringing this one up because you know when people uh, often think that you have pain in an area, that must be the area that's causing the issue. Right. And this example being the knee. Individual has knee pain. Uh, once I examined him, I anytime I examine someone, especially if I'm examining like the knee, I'm always going to look at the joints below and above that area. So the ankle and then the hip. And if I look at the low back, I will always look at the hips or the pelvis and also the upper back maybe go as far as the neck. In this individual, um, knee issue, I checked out his knee. It actually looked all good. So I went up to the hip and boy, was it very, very bad. No movement whatsoever. Uh, I knew right away there was severe osteoarthritis in that hip. um, And it was that hip that was causing his pain because of the lack of movement. We sent him in for an x-ray. He came back. We saw very severe osteoarthritis. And again, you guys, it's very easy now. You guys know my opinion on severe osteoarthritis of the hip and knee. I basically said, if you want to get that pain uh, managed, you're going to have to unfortunately get that knee re- or that hip replacement. And I, and I actually shouldn't even say unfortunately, because again, I tell people it's always about matching up the person with the right treatment intervention. And if someone truly needs a hip replacement, then they often do well with the hip replacement. Now, again, a lot of other factors come into play, like mm-hmm. what other issues does that person already have? Do they have comorbidities that delay healing, like diabetes, things like that? Are there um, issues that they've had previously with other surgeries? Are they, are they in good health right now, right? Are, are the prehabilitation aspect of things that we've talked about, is the surrounding musculature good, even though the hip may not be good? Is there good blood flow to the area? Is there good cardiovascular um, issues? And so those things are all the things that it's not always, yes, if you have a bad knee and a bad hip that's severe, do the, knee, the do the replacement. We have to consider everything. But of course, when I see a patient, I go through their past medical history as well. And I always will comment on those things. And if I do see something there, I will always raise that. I will always say like, hey, you know. I do think this is a good option for you, but do be aware you're type 2 diabetic. Uh, you do have peripheral neuropathy that may de- delay some healing for you, and it may not be as quick for someone who didn't have that, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad choice. But the one thing that I do always tell people is no one can force you to do anything. When we talk about evidence-based care, I've, I've said this a million times, evidence-based care is what the best scientific literature is, what the practitioner's experience is, in this case it would be me because I'm the practitioner, and what the patient wants. And it doesn't matter if a practitioner and evidence you know, say the same thing. If the patient doesn't want it, you can't do it. And that's how simple it is. The patient has to consent to everything about their health. All we can really do is give them our best advice um, and what and what we think are options. Now, that doesn't mean I tell somebody, here's, you do the hip replacement or there's nothing else. There's always other options. They just may not be very good options based yeah. on my experience and the scientific evidence, but I make that very, very clear. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell to have uh, your conversation uh, this morning. Donna, welcome. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Uh, great. Thank you. Great. What's going on, Donna? 
Well, um, I've been diagnosed with a Baker cyst, and yep. it's, uh, it's under my knee, but at the, like sort of under at the side. Yep. And it is so painful, yep. and I'm going to physio, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't think it's working. It's, it's just, and I'm wondering if there's any way that I can have it taken out or drained or something like that. Yeah, so, so who's diagnosed you with the, the Baker cyst? Uh, well, I had an ultrasound. Okay, and where was your original complaint? Like, is it is a knee pain in the back of the knee? Um, no, it, it's um, it is uh, it's right at the inner. It's on my left leg, yep. and it's on the inner lower part of the knee. The and it's inner kind lower of part right of the at knee. the side. It's right at the. Right okay. So, so the only reason why I asked that, and again, this it's very hard because I can't see to exactly where you're pointing to, and I haven't assessed your knee. But the one thing I will say is this: a lot of people have Baker cysts, and they don't even know about them, and they're often actually not painful unless they're impeding on a structure or pushing on a structure. What a Baker cyst is is your knee is full of what's called synovial fluid, which the best analogy for that is just WD-40 of the joints. We have it in all of our, or the majority of our joints anyways in our body. And every time we move, that WD-40 or synovial fluid gets secreted, and that's what allows for nutrients to be brought into the joint, and it's also what takes away waste from the joint. So... What ends up happening is sometimes with what a baker cyst tells us with wear and tear of the meniscus, which is the joint where the synovial fluid is, there starts to be some seeping of that synovial fluid out of the joint, and it forms a little cyst, often called the baker cyst. Now, what that tells us is, you know, you might have some wear and tear in your meniscus and there's some fluid seeping out. Okay, well, that's fine. Uh, the next thing is they're often incidental findings, right? They're, they're things that people are sent for ultrasounds because they have knee pain. And all of a sudden it's like a, a radiologist's job is to comment on everything that they see, whether it's something that's significant or clinically important or not. And what clinically important means is does it correlate with what you're seeing it, it, with your patient? And so I'm not sure most Baker cysts are right back in the knee between the two hamstring tendons, but it sounds like you're saying your knee pain is somewhere else. So you may have two issues going on. You may have some other type of knee injury and maybe also a Baker cyst, and maybe that's why it's not getting better. To answer your other question is, yes, the cyst can be drained, but like anything, it will come back because, again, it's that seeping of fluid. So it is something that if it is significantly bad enough, you have to continually do it. But I would be interested to assess you for the very reason to say, is that Baker cyst clinically significant? Is it what's causing your inside lower knee pain, whatever that may mean to you. I'm not sure I have to, to see it because people, you know, say shoulder, but they point to their upper back. And that's just because not everyone has studied anatomy the way I have. And that's fine. But that's where the assessment is so very, very important on an opinion. So people do call me such as you, Donna, and say, should I get it removed? Well, my answer becomes, I don't know, because I need to see you, um, because I need to assess, is is it something that's clinically significant? It's, it's, an, it's an ultrasound diagnosis. Sometimes you can even see it on x-ray if it's big enough uh, but it's often an incidental finding unless it's pushing on like the sciatic nerve where it bifurcates behind the knee or maybe it it, it stops a muscle from fully extending or flexing and in and those issues so maybe it is the cause of your pain maybe it isn't i'm not sure based on what you're telling me right now Okay, well, okay. thank you very much. No Where problem. are you located? So we have places all over, but I do my assessments in Etobicoke. 
Donna, here's the number to follow up. By the way, you want to find uh, a place near you, you can uh, you can visit one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, and info at paincarecanada.com through email as well. Randy, hang on. We'll get to you and your phone calls as well after a short break. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, and 1-888-225-TALK. That number is toll-free. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio. You need to reach out the rest of the week uh, to Dr. Lou. It's one eight five 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 Dr. Lou D R L O U or info at paincarecanada.com through email. Lots of uh, phone calls. We still have plenty of time, rather for those. Randy, thanks, uh, thanks for hanging on, pal. What's uh, what's going on with you this morning? I, I have a rotator cuff tear from playing tennis. I I fell. Okay. Um, I had an ultrasound done and i've got an mri scheduled for um november 28th which is a few months from now and i just based on maybe some of my symptoms i just don't know if i should be doing a bit some physio between now and then or if i should be resting my arm in a sling yeah i don't know you know how bad the tear is so you don't know what kind of tear it is you just know it's a tear yeah like i i I could swear my my family doctor said that it was a full partial tear i don't know if that makes sense okay did it should be one of the like, if I put my hand against my chest and push, I have zero strength. Like, I cannot push against my chest. Okay, but so you, yeah. So, the, you know, that, that may be significant. If you have a full tear of a tendon and there's complete weakness and that and that muscle is no longer really attached, then, yeah, that, that could be a problem. Um, if it's not a full tear and it's partial, a lot of times those things are... Again, not clinically, not always clinically significant. And what I mean by that is a lot of people, if you were, if we were to just take a hundred random people and ultrasound their shoulders, we would probably see tears in, you know, 50 or 60% of those people, but not 50, 60% of those people would have symptoms in their shoulder. So a lot of times tears are kind of like wear and tear, like arthritis, right? We can take an x-ray of someone's neck and see some wear and tear, which is arthritis. The question becomes, is it clinically significant arthritis? So if we're taking an x-ray of someone that's 60 and they have, you know, mild to moderate osteoarthritis, well, you know, that yeah, of course, like not many people are going to get to 60, 65, 70 and not and have no arthritis. I, I've never seen it. But if all of a sudden we're taking an x-ray of a 25-year-old and we see severe arthritis, well, now we got a problem, right? So so that's where you got to match it up. Like, you know, is, is it clinically significant? And oftentimes radiologists will finish their reports by saying cl- needs clinical correlation. What that means is somebody needs to do testing. So when it comes to an area like the shoulder, um, there's a lot of tests that you can do for the rotator cuff uh, physical test. Did your family doctor do any physical test on your shoulder? No, but I, I yeah. did go to the emerge because I had oh, one of my fingers. I, I, I re-injured a hamstring. That's why I saw I see. my hamstring. Okay. I blacked out. Yeah. But anyway, I've had shoulder pain for like 10, 15 years, but this is different. I've got pain down my arm into my bicep, mm-hmm. and I, I can lift my arm up over my head, mm-hmm. but sometimes it pops and clicks. Right. So, yep. you know, I, again, my question is really based, like, the fact that I can lift my arm up over my head, does that sort of say that I don't have a full pair, just, just that alone? Well, it depends. The rotator cuff muscles are, they're not prime movers. What that means is they're not responsible for, for the big movements that we do. They're they're stabilizing muscles. So you need to t- test them from a stabilizing component, not a prime mover component. So what that means is like you even someone who doesn't have, say, the supraspinatus, which is the, the top rotator cuff muscle, 
you still have the deltoid, which is the prime mover that can that can cause that type of movement, right? So right. you have to clinically isolate it. I can't say that just because you're reporting that you can lift your arm, I can't definitively say, well, then you don't have a full tear. I would have to try to isolate all of the rotator cuff muscles, um, which there's five of them, and isolate them and test them and see what you experience. Do you experience weakness, complete weakness? Do you experience pain? Sometimes it might just be inflammation of the tendon. Um, you know, it may also not be the rotator cuff muscles that are the problem if you've got clicking and things like that once you're moving your shoulder around i start to think of the labrum right the labrum being a piece of cartilage that sits there that's problematic as well sometimes when people talk about shooting pain in their arms i start to think nerves maybe you heard a nerve maybe you heard a nerve at the brachial plexus which is close to the neck between the neck and the arm or maybe you hurt it in the neck and it's causing nerve pain down the arm so you have to kind of assess that and that's why the physical exam is often more important than just ultrasound or an x-ray um, and so th- my, my suggestion to you, you know, your, your original question was, should I be doing some physio? I would say oftentimes any physical type of problem, you know, most physiotherapists, chiropractors can very easily diagnose these things from a clinical perspective. They're very good at the clinical testing, usually much better than the emergency rooms and the family doctors, because this is what they deal with every single day. Um, so that, that may be an option is, yeah, go see somebody and get it assessed first and foremost. And then, yeah, some therapy, even if you do have something that requires surgery, again, therapy doesn't need to just be um, a matter of trying to get you better. It could be prehabilitation for the surgery where you try to get yourself stronger so that you can heal better after surgery. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely what I want to do. Yeah. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll call the number. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, it's over, though. I can come see you. Yeah, and, we, and I see you're calling from Whitby. We, we have clinics in Whitby if you, if you need any therapy. So come see me. We'll take a look at it, and I'll give you my opinion. Randy, appreciate the call. Here is the number again if you haven't already written it down. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. You can email follow-up as well, info at paincarecanada.com. I see you there, Carmita. Hang on. We'll get to your call and yours as well. Still have plenty of time. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. There's also one 225 talk That is toll-free. Lots more Dr. Pain Show is on the way. This is Global News Radio. You sure can call in. Still have time and one triple eight two two five talk. That is uh, till free. Carmita, thanks for hanging on through the break. How are you? I'm not. I'm here with a bad knee, but okay. otherwise. Otherwise, you're playing every, along, eh? Every time I see somebody, I always say, how are you doing? And they always say, not good if I'm here to see you. Nobody sees me if they're good. What's going on? I, I fell down the bus a, f- uh, a few months ago, mm-hmm. and I hit my knee very hard. Okay. And um, my, I went to the hospital, and they said it was bruised very bad inside. Okay. And um, they never give me anything at the hospital, mm-hmm. but um, I went back to my doctor then, and he said I'm, I have inflammation in arthritis. Okay, uh, inflammation and arthritis? He said I have arthritis in it now. Yeah, well, so, so again, so this is where, again, when, when you, mm. did he take an x-ray or he, she? It, it, um, he had took an X-ray. Yes. Yeah. So, so X-ray is an incident. So they they're seeing arthritis in there, but mm-hmm. you don't have pain because you have arthritis. You have pain because you fell. Right. That arthritis did not develop in a week or two weeks. Arthritis mm-hmm. is a process that develops over your life. So, uh, so for him to say the or is it a him or a her? Sorry. 
him. For him to say that you have pain because of arthritis, well, no. No, because, no, he didn't say I oh, have pain because of arthritis. He said that. Um, you know, he he's just telling you what he sees. No. Yeah, so he's just telling you what he sees. So, yeah, so you have arthritis. Big mm. deal. Uh, that doesn't matter. You have knee pain because you fell. And, yeah. and maybe you hurt some part of your knee. So the question becomes, did you hurt any of the important structure the, of the knee, like the meniscus, ACL, PCL, the lateral ligament, or the medial ligaments? And so, again, physical testing can tell us that information if those if those areas are injured. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if they're not, maybe it's a, a bone bruise. My next question becomes, what did he recommend for therapy for you in terms of what you should be doing? Um, he recommended me to go to the therapist, and I went to the therapist, and they've been um, doing um, putting heat to it and and rub and massaging it for me. Okay, so I mean, my first again, I would have to assess you to be sure, but my first gut instinct is is if you've fallen and you've bruised something, mm-hmm. um, most people would John. If if you, you fell and you bruised something, would you put heat or ice on it? I would put uh, ice on it. Yes, to decrease inflammation. Yes. So, mm. so I'm not. So the heat right off the bat to me doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's that's something to consider. Like maybe there's other things. The other thing is sometimes when you fall, you can create what's called like a bone bruise, which is essentially it's more than just a muscular bruise, and it can take oftentimes a little bit longer to heal. Mm-hmm. Bruising heals by promoting blood flow to the area. Um, yeah. There's other things that can help with promoting blood flow to an area to help it heal, such as mm-hmm. things like laser therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm not necessarily saying that laser therapy is what you should be doing. I'm just using your examples um, to to educate here. So mm-hmm. maybe laser therapy. So I think, it, how long has this been going on for now? Uh, about six months. Six months, okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think whatever is being done doesn't sound like it's right because it should you should have had something figured out more now from a fall and if there was an injury. I, I, would, I would honestly say your best bet is you should come see me. We do an assessment on it and we figure it out. I can come up with a treatment plan for you and then uh, we can implement that treatment plan and, and you know, tr- move towards getting you actually better. Yeah, um, yeah. Some question, but yes. if you if you go to the hospital like the next day, yep, and they say you have a bruise, aren't they supposed to like do something for you or or give you medication? Or so something? you you went to an emergency room, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. so in the name emergency, what you sustained was not. So an emergency room's job is to look for people who are, might lose life in a very short period of time, twenty four hours, seventy two hours. That is what they're doing. They're saving lives. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you falling, bruising your knee is not, it may be urgent, but it's mm-hmm. not necessarily an emergency. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there are things called urgent care centers or walk-in clinics, which are often better places for these types of issues. Because now if you had a fracture or something like that, that's different. But most urgent care centers can assess that right away. And if they do see a fracture, then they're the ones that send you to the emergency room. But if there's no fracture and it's just pain, then no, mm-hmm. an emergency room's job is not to provide you with a long-term solution their follow-up would have likely been follow up with your family doctor or go Mm -hmm. get therapy and it is your primary care professional in this case your family doctor's Mm -hmm. job to recommend the right things that you should be doing Mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah okay come see me 
Carmine, appreciate the call and that number one eight five 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 D R L O U. Doctor Lou, info at paincarecanada.com. That emergency thing. I mean, Carmine is like one of a, a million people in this country that had those types of things, and the first thought is to go to emerge. This is, I mean, obviously we're not doing yeah. a whole show in this, but that's no. part of the taxing of the system, right? A- absolutely. Like there, there needs to be. And again, this isn't the fault of the of the public, right? Because the public doesn't know. But right. you know, we spend so much money on things. Why are there not ads? being spent by the government to teach people this like what is an emergency versus what is urgent versus what should you be going to your family doctor for and that type of stuff you know if an emergency room is clogged with people that have bruised knees as an example well then that's just somebody who may be having a heart attack that can't be saved right and and it doesn't just go as far as in emergency rooms a lot of people will call paramedics for this type of stuff right right? and so again all you're doing is hindering a system from from helping the people that need it and i'm not blaming the consumer in this in this regard i'm not blaming the people the public of canada the public of ontario i'm blaming the system itself because there needs to be an education campaign on that on when should you be going to an emergency room versus when should you be going to an urgent care center versus a walk-in clinic versus your family doctor versus your chiropractor versus your physiotherapist because if we could create a system where people understand where is the best place to go like let's take for example this Chiropractors are leaders in spinal health care. That is essentially what they do. If we could take every person that goes to a family doctor, an emergency room out of the system with their spine-related pain, and they go see a chiropractor first who is well-equipped to assess that person and determine should this go back to an emergency room, think about, and, and back pain is the second most uh, second biggest cause of lost time in work in the Western world, second only to the common cold. And how yeah. many people go to, a, a, to an emergency room with a common cold, right? Nobody. And, <laughs> Nobody. There's a lot yeah. that are there. <laughs> I'm, <kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Um, so, so this is a big thing that there needs to be better education on these things. These musculoskeletal yeah. injuries, these simple sprain sprains, these things should not be going to emergency rooms, walk-in clinics. It clogs the system, especially if you have private insurance. Right. That's the whole point. Go to your chiropractor. Go to your physiotherapist. Get their opinion. Number one, they deal with this stuff all the time. This is their bread and butter, so they're likely better at it versus, you know, and some family doctors are great at it. The family doctors that I work with are very good at this stuff, but a family doctor's job is a very, very hard job. They have to know a little bit about a lot, about everything, about every right. single, you know, your physiotherapist is going to go know nothing about your urology problem, for example, whereas your family doctor needs to know a little bit about that. They need to know a little bit about mm-hmm. your spine. They need to know a little bit about, you know, your neural, et cetera, et cetera. So they are the gatekeepers. That is their role. And that's why they will send you in different places. But you can skip some steps because you don't need a referral to go see a physiotherapist or a chiropractor, their primary care as well. You can just go get there and go get that opinion. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Still got a couple minutes to go, a few minutes to go, so you got some time to call in and ask your questions as well. one 225 talk is also an option. Dr. Payne Show continues on Global News Radio. And right back at it, we'll get to your calls before we wrap it for another weekend. Rachel, hello, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, Good. What's uh, what's your concern? Okay, I had hip replacement over a year ago, and uh, then I had to have a revision because I had a cut in my IT band. I'm still suffering with pain, which has now gone to my hip, uh, to my back, and sometimes neck pain as well. And I walk with a Trallenberg. Trallenberg, yeah, 
Lurch. Yeah, good. So not good that you're doing that, but what what's the question, Rochelle? Only because we're short for time, and we also have another caller that I want to get to. Oh, okay. So um, do you think that a revision, there's something wrong with the hip replacement? I, and... I would need to assess that. There's no way that over the phone I would be able to tell you if there's something wrong. I would need to absolutely look at your knee, review it, uh, move it around, maybe take an x-ray to see what's going on in order to see if there's something that's wrong with it. That's not something that I can comment on on the radio. Okay, I am doing prolo therapy. What's yep. your theory on that? Again, I believe everything has a time and a place in healthcare. It just really, it's always about matching up the the right treatment with the right problem. And I, I don't know, again, I don't know enough about your problem to say that I've been able to match it up and say, yes, it's good. It might very well be the right thing for you to be doing, but I'm unsure at this point if I don't assess you. Rachel, we're going to give you a number to follow up with uh, with Dr. Lou in person, one 555 drlou Dr. Lou, or info at paincarecanada.com. Michael, got just enough time to squeeze you in quickly. What's up, pal? Hey, it's not a personal issue that I have, but I'm an also, also a health professional. So I just wanted to add on to your uh, last, not with the last caller, but two callers ago, with uh, instead of funneling to the emergency rooms, we should uh, divert ourselves out to like chiropractors and what not yep. to uh, decrease wait times and, and such. But the only thing is with that, I totally agree with you, and that is a genius idea, but insurance companies make it almost impossible for some people because you have to get a doctor's note, and then you have to get a, or you have to get a referral. It, it depends for which, which professional, though. And when it comes to chiro and physio, most of the times insurance companies don't need the referral anymore. Most of what I see anyways. But yeah, you, that is absolutely, you're absolutely right that that is a, a complicating factor in all this. It's my, my, when I say that as a plan, it's not like I don't mean we could snap our fingers and do that. Uh, absolutely, yeah. there would need to be some revisions with, with, uh, with the system. But yeah, I think you and I are both on the same page. There's probably oh, yeah. a, better, a better model um, in terms of figuring out the specifics. That's where we need to sit down a lot of the, the key players in this industry and say, well, how do we make it work perfectly um, or, or at least well enough? But yeah, you're absolutely right. That, that can be a complicating factor as well and even more so some people don't have health coverage for those things so then they those people are left with really no other option so yeah it's absolutely a great point no and you are 100 percent right i just wanted to add in on that that it's some people they have to jump through loopholes just to get to a chiro or physio Physio. yeah absolutely yeah thanks for your call michael Appreciate your call, Michael. It's a good way to uh, to wrap it for the day. Back in here next weekend. In the meantime, get a hold of Dr. Lou, one eight five 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 D R L O U. Get it happening. Yep. Info at paincarecanada.com as well. Till next time has been the Dr. Payne Show right here on Global News Radio.